Good morning, Life Community Church. Uh, my name is Eric Yoon. I serve on the worship team for those who are having trouble seeing this morning. <laughs> I had a little con- trouble with my contact this morning, so I had to try and memorize all the chords as quickly as I could. <laughs> uh, this morning's scripture reading is going to be on John uh, chapter 15, verses 5 through 11. If you guys will go ahead and uh, read with me here. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. Thanks, Eric. Good morning. I had such a vivid dream last night. It has nothing to do with what we're talking about, but I'm going to share it. I was actually here at the church, and I was coming in here, headed for the office, and instead of the hallway there where the bathrooms are, this big celestial staircase opened up. And I look up at the top, and there's an angel up there beckoning me up, so I go up to the top. When I get there, it's this huge room about the size of this building, huge. And on every single surface in the entire building, there are clocks, little clocks, all with only one hand, and all of them with like a little odometer, like you'd have on a car. And every once in a while, these clocks would spin ahead, one hour, all over. And as I started looking at these clocks, I turned to the angel and I said, well, what is the meaning of these clocks? said, well, this is actually the place where all sins are counted. And you'll notice that if somebody knows Jesus, when they ask for forgiveness, that odometer goes back to zero. It's like, oh. You know, and these clocks are all making the noise and all spinning ahead an hour, and every once in a while seeing that little odometer click over to zero. And so then I start walking around, I realize that every one of these clocks also has a name on it. And I'm thinking, oh, all right, well, there's there's Pastor Brandon's, you know. Hey, there's, there's Durrell's, I see Durrell, there's John's, there's Podge's, there's, and then as I start looking around the room and I start looking closer and closer, I think, uh, is my clock in here? Yeah, my clock goes, oh, your clock. Yeah, is, is my clock in here? He says, well, we use your clock in the office. What? Said, For a fan. <laughs> That's where the dream ended, and I... So I wasn't going to take that to heart. It was just a dream, right? It's just a dream. This morning, uh, as Brandon said, I'm filling in uh, for him and kind of, in a sense, pouring into one of the things that is so universal and so important, answering questions like, what is my purpose? Why do I exist? What am I supposed to do? And all of us have this desire, something I think God put in us, this longing to know the answer to these questions. 
And every day in our culture, especially in the Western world, we're told that we can find those answers. And the world says that our real purpose is to be happy. Work toward being happy. And then we're told that if, in fact, you want the true meaning of life, you'll find it when you are happy. And then, of course, you've got ads and social media. You've got podcasts, even friends and coworkers, basically telling you that you'll find that happiness in things like money and popularity and fame and maybe influence or power, a new spouse, maybe a new job, or America's favorite pastime, comfort, amusement, pleasure. And yet I know that we know that happiness comes and goes. It's not really a lasting reality. But what is constant is our desire to have purpose, to find meaning in life. And if we know our purpose and the meaning of life, then we're going to want to know what to do with that information. In my senior year of high school, I took a drama class and I ended up starring in the high school musical that year, and I loved it. Uh, after graduation, I went on to act uh, in professional theater. And I was receiving great reviews. My peer group was egging me on, saying, you know, you got to get an agent. you got to work toward more roles. I was only 17 at the time, and I had already decided acting would be my profession. And the reason for that at that time was I found this self-fulfilling purpose and it filled a hole in me that at least seemed to give my life meaning, you know, to entertain, to bring joy, bring laughter to other people. Plus, I kind of thought that's what God had gifted me to do, so I kind of figured that's probably why I exist, right? And I also thought, you know, if God allows me to become a big star, I'll be sure to take him with me, you know, I'll be his man in Hollywood, right? Really big of me, right? It's nice. Well, as the years passed, my life and career took a number of different directions. For instance, while waiting for some drama classes to open up at a nearby college, I fit in a year at Bible school. And then I went back to acting, uh, got married, uh, went into a radio broadcast school, started working radio, got an agent, started doing TV commercials, worked for a TV station, started our family. So all this time, I was giving God lip service. That is, I was, you know, saying that I was a Christian, but I wasn't living for Jesus. I was living my life for me. And like many people, whatever the profession, I thought I had found the answers to the questions of my purpose and meaning in life. I mean, it was pretty simple, really. My purpose was me. And the meaning I got out of life was whatever I wanted it to be. And I did what I wanted to do, and things were going fine until they weren't. And while my career was blossoming, my personal life came crashing down because of selfishness and disregard for others. But God, and that's always a big portion of anyone's story, but God and his graciousness showed me that what I did for a living wasn't my purpose. And though I was able to do the job, it wasn't what I was made for. In my travels and adventures, and I'm going to guess in the walk of life that you're in, 
you see many people live like I lived. They basically focus on themselves and what they can get out of life. And there are different ways that we do it, but the results are always the same. I want to share a quote with you. It's not going to come up on the screen. And it's a large quote. But pay attention because you'll see why I wanted to include so much of pastor, author, teacher, Timothy Keller, in his book, Encounters with Jesus, says what I'm saying this way. We all need goals, aspirations, drive, determination, but they can't be our reason to get up in the morning or think they are why we are alive. If we do, we eliminate God being in the foreground of our lives and replace him with our desire to accomplish things. This is where we push Jesus aside and allow our determination to be our driving force instead of the Holy Spirit. The emptiness grows deeper and your confusion increases. Something gets in the way of our hearing what Jesus is talking about. And I think, it's the most of the, I think that most of us aren't able to recognize our soul thirst for what it is. As long as we think there is a pretty good chance that we'll achieve some of our dreams, as long as we think that we have a shot at success, we experience an inner emptiness as drive and our anxiety as hope. And so you can remain completely oblivious to how deep your thirst actually is. Most of us tell ourselves, listen to this, most of us tell ourselves that the reason we remain unfulfilled is because we simply haven't been able to achieve our goals. That was me. And so we live almost our entire lives without admitting to ourselves the depth of our spiritual thirst. Isn't that rich? Whatever it is that makes you say, if I have that, if I have that, if I get there, then I'll have the answer to my purpose. Then I will have meaning in my life. I'll be able to rest in that security. Whatever that is, is most likely something outside of you. And everything I was pushing for, some degree of fame, chasing the money, wanting the power to make my own choices over my own life, seeking unlimited pleasure, all of that, all of those things I was working toward all outside myself. And yet, Jesus comes in and says, there's nothing outside of you that can truly satisfy the thirst that is deep down inside of you. A soul thirst, as Timothy Keller put it. Mark 8, 36, Jesus says, what good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul. So I ask again, what's your purpose? Where do you find meaning in life? What are you supposed to do with this life? You know, when I'm coaching parents about talking to their kids, I emphasize the importance of asking the right questions. And not like an interrogation, right? but asking the right questions because we need to ask the questions like a friend, a friend who is concerned for another friend. Because when we do that, we hear the heart of the other person. We hear what's really going on inside. So what I want to do is adjust the question that I'm asking here this morning so that we can really get to the heart of the matter. 
Because what I would do is suggest that instead we ask, what is my purpose according to God? What is my purpose according to God? Because with the answer to that question, we get the answer to the meaning of life and what we're supposed to do. So let's turn to God's word, the Bible. It's where we hear God's voice the most, and it's where we get guidance and direction, and coupling that with the power of the Holy Spirit living within us, he gives us the power to do what it says. So what is my purpose according to God? We start with Matthew 5.16. Let your light so shine among men that they may see your good deeds and give glory to your Father in heaven. Psalm 86.9, all the nations you have made will come and worship before you, Lord. They will bring glory to your name. Isaiah 43.7, another example, God speaking here through Isaiah. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. There are similar verses throughout the Bible, but suffice it to say, the reason that we are here is for God's glory. That's our purpose. Now, of course, that creates a new question. What's God's glory, right? It's one of those Christianese words that gets thrown around. It's like, well, give God the glory. It's like, I don't have any glory on me right now. But if our purpose and our reason are to, be, to bring God glory, let's figure out the word glory. And this is an oversimplification, but for our uh, time here, when it comes to God, and that's a very big distinction, when it comes to God, glory is anything that points out the greatness of God or anything that enhances God's reputation. Now, I'm going to read a verse here. It's not going to come up on the screen. I just want you to listen and think. Psalm 19.1 says, the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Do you hear how glory works in this passage? The heavens declare the glory. That is the greatness of God. The heavens shout the greatness of God. Look to the heavens. Realize what an amazing and powerful and creative God he is. And we're, by so doing, proclaiming his greatness. We're proclaiming the God of the universe and enhancing his reputation as mighty and powerful. Here's another example in Isaiah 6.3 and repeated in Revelation 4.8, the angels around the throne of God are speaking, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. And here we find the angels are pointing out God's greatness, his otherness, his character, his purity, and then they say the whole earth is full of his glory. There's our word glory again. They are saying pick anything in the whole earth that is created and you're going to find his greatness, his creativity, his grandeur, his precision, his mighty works, and so on. In other words, they're calling out the greatness of God and by doing so, they're enhancing his reputation giving him glory. And I guess another way we could say it is you're giving him all the credit. It's one of those things where we're basically, in, you know, when you see answered prayer, you say, oh man, that wasn't me, man. All the recognition goes to God. He's the one, man. I'm giving him glory. 
So with that brief definition of glory, let's answer the question, how do we glorify God? How do we proclaim his greatness and or enhance his reputation? And the easy answer right up front is to do as the angels did, and we praise him, as we did this morning through song. As we actually are doing right now, as we study his word, we worship him, we're proclaiming his excellence, we're recognizing that his word has great depth and power in our lives. We're proclaiming his excellence. And here's a a real caveat to this idea. We can live our life in such a way that it enhances his reputation, right? That's giving him glory. We live according to his will. We bring glory to God when we live a life that shines such a big, bright, life-changing light into this dark world that people can't help but notice. That's giving him glory. That's what glorifies him. And we won't find long-lasting significance, meaning, or purpose in anything or anyone else but him. And I think until we really understand that, that's why that emptiness, that hole inside, continues to gnaw at us because we understand that we're made by him for him. And that's why without him, you won't find meaning or purpose in fame or fortune or power or pleasure. That's it. <laughs> that's the end of my message. Now, the, the purpose in life is to glorify God. You know, and you're saying, is, is that really it? Is that really the answer? Yes. Yes. And of course, that's the short answer. 66 books of the Bible tell you there's a longer answer, but that involves understanding that we're created by this all-powerful, all-loving, all-knowing, mighty God of the universe so that we might worship him, give him glory, and accomplish what he has for us to do. Did you hear that? We fulfill our purpose of glorifying God by living our lives in relationship with him through Jesus and faithful service to him. It's like, whoa, 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 back it up. Where'd where'd you get that? Where'd that come from? You just kind of threw that in there. But I got it actually from Jesus himself. In John 17, four, Jesus is speaking to God through prayer and he gives God glory and ties it together with serving him. When he says, I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. You hear that? I was hoping this slide would come up. I have brought you glory on earth. There's glory. I brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. So while we live our lives glorifying him, that is enhancing his reputation by the way we live, he has things for us to do. Another evidence of that is Ephesians 2.10. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Now, these good works God prepared for us are the things that cause our life to matter, that help us live a life of purpose. It's how we give God glory with our lives. Now, how the particulars of those works and the purpose of each one of those things in our lives that bring meaning, they're gonna be different in everyone because God created us so wonderfully, uniquely. But I can assure you this, the good works that God has created in advance for us to do will involve loving God, 
and serving God and loving people and serving people to bring him glory. Our lives are to be shouting out his greatness and enhancing his reputation. And I, if I were sitting where you were sitting and hearing this message, I would still be asking the question because this is the kind of guy I am. It's like, okay, okay, I get that. What do I do? I got to do something. And you know so many people are saying, I got to do something to earn my salvation. It's like, yeah, but that's not what we're talking about here. But I still understand the question because you say, once I understand what you're saying, Matt, I still need to know, what do I lean into? What do I really do? I want specific directions. <laughs> I just realized I'm the only guy that asks for directions. All right, so I can, I can tell you this. It's not about what church you go to, though, of course, you should be in a community of Bible-believing people. And it's not about what you do for a living, though you should certainly honor God with everything that you make, think, say, do, and you should certainly honor him with the money that you make from doing it. And you know, it's not about a calling to go into ministry or go into the mission field, though you should definitely know your spiritual gifts and know exactly how you should be using them in the local body here and in the community. So what is it? What is it about? What are we to do? And before we go there, let's review real quick. We know purpose and meaning in life comes as we recognize that we're here to know God and to glorify him. That is to be in a right relationship with God through Jesus, to glorify him by praising him, and to live a life that enhances his loving reputation. So now we're down to the question, what are we to do? And I want to pause here because it's really important to, to understand this. This is a pivotal point. God's purpose for us cannot be fulfilled in us apart from our obedience to him. And I'll say it again. God's purpose for us cannot be fulfilled in us apart from our obedience to him. That's why there's the distinction about someone who says, well, I believe in Jesus. It's like, but your life doesn't reflect it. So what are we to do? Jesus says, John 14, 15, if you love me, keep my commands. Now, something radical had to happen in my life for this truth to take hold in my life. And it's not like I'm perfect in doing it. Ask my wife. I told you that my life and career were going along fine. And then through some really bad and selfish personal choices, I ruined my personal life, my relationship with my wife. And again, here I am. I'm going to give glory to God. I thank my gracious God and my merciful, forgiving wife who gave me a chance to rebuild my relationship with God, God's grace to do that, and then my wife's forgiveness to start there on rebuilding our relationship. But in that time, I had to first start with getting my relationship right with God, and that meant learning to deny myself and submit to God and his word, back to what Jesus said, keep my commands. And that carried over into this long process of rebuilding our marriage, absolutely. And while God was working with me to 
restore my relationship with him and my wife, he began to show me some of what we're talking about this morning. Things like my purpose wasn't to make a name for myself, but to make his name known and renowned. And that the meaning of my life was a meaningful, rich relationship with him. But like what we're talking about this morning, it's at this point that I came to this hard stop because I too came to this question and said, okay, but what do I do? Because you see, at the time that I'm asking this question in my life, I'm working as an all-night disc jockey on a rock and roll station in Portland, Oregon. And I'm wondering if God can still use me where I am in this type of work or if he wants me to do something else. So I pray, God, I got to know. And I'm, I'm willing to do whatever you want me to do, but what do you want me to do? It was just a couple nights after praying that prayer. I'm doing my DJ shift. It's about three o'clock in the morning. The request line rings. I pick it up. The guy on the other end says, hey, do you know Jesus? <laughs> what? Here's a guy who calls all night DJs and witnesses to him. So I respond and say, yeah, yeah, I know Jesus. And he goes, well, would you have a couple minutes to share what you know about Jesus with me? Because I'm really searching for answers. And I got to tell you, the answer that I got that night was the one that I had been looking for from God on what do I do? Luke 10, 27, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and love your neighbor as yourself and do it right where God has placed you. Matthew 6.33 defines this for us as well this morning. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. May I be so bold as to give you a paraphrase of this? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then do whatever you want to do. And here's what I mean by that. If you're living really living the front half of that verse, the rest of your life won't be wrong. Because if you're truly in a relationship with Jesus, bringing his way of living to earth, living right, making right choices, then you will be walking with God and living from his power within you, enhancing his reputation. Seek first his kingdom, his righteousness, and then the rest he's going to take care of. So do you hear the answer about what are we to do? The answer is it's all about our relationship. And I and you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So what are we to do? Remain in him. Remain in his word. That is have a relationship with Jesus that is intimate, personal, growing daily, one that comes to feel natural 
as you walk with him, you talk with him, as you remain in his love, the Holy Spirit living within you gives you the power to deny yourself, to submit to him, and to love others as he loves you. I think one of the biggest things that I continue am challenged by, even many years down the road, is the more we get to know God, remain in his love and his word, and we grow to love Jesus, the better we understand who we are. I love the fact that we're not done yet. The better we understand who we are, what our purpose is, the true meaning of life, and what to do with all that. Now, I have to believe that if none of this makes sense to you, it's probably because you don't have a relationship with God. And so I have a question for you. Do you want God in your life? Because it is God who sent his son, Jesus, who lived a perfect life. And it wasn't just so that we could point that perfect life and say, oh yeah, he was a great guy. No, he lived that perfect life on earth so that he could be the pure sacrifice needed to wash away the sins of the world. And that includes everything you've ever done wrong. And here is the beauty of the gospel. He's not here to condemn you. He's here to save you, to wash away your sin, all that. Give you a new life, a new heart, a right relationship with him. I'm going to ask you at the end of the service to come down here. I'm going to have a couple people down here, uh, Daniel and Tammy, our elder and his wife, to share with you because they would love to share with you what it is to bring Jesus into your life, a new life, reunited with God through Jesus. For those of us who already know and follow Jesus, I want you to listen to what Paul prayed over the church in Ephesus. Keep in mind that the church of Ephesus was a healthy church. Ephesians is full of, keep doing what you're doing. Here are the things I want you to know. You guys are doing a great job. Those false teachers, shove them out. So this is a healthy church he's speaking to, and this is what he's saying to them. Ephesians 1.17. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. Of all the things Paul would be saying, he could say, I want you to know God's word more, which he would. I want you to pray more, which we should. I want you to do more, and we will. But here's the funnel 
bringing it all down to this one thing, so that you may know him better. Remain in him so that you will know him better. To know Jesus, to have that relationship growing every day, that's where you'll find purpose in him. That's where you'll find meaning in life and direction for all that he has for you. As we transition into communion this morning, ushers, I'd ask that you go ahead and get the elements going. You can see how this ties in to what it is that we're coming before the Lord's table. In the church I grew up in, it was this long table, and on the front of the table was inscribed, do this in remembrance of me. Of course, Jesus' words. But as we come to that table, we have to be sure that our remembrance of him is remembering that he said things like, if you love me, keep my commands. Remain in me, and I remain in you. If my word remains in you, then my love remains in you. So as we do this in remembrance of him, let's remember that he gave his body so that this body could be replaced, that he was the sacrificial lamb, and that his blood being shed was to wash away the sin of the world. So as you go before God this morning, getting ready to take communion, I want to give you some time of reflection and asking God, where are some more areas in my life that I can remember you? I want to be sure and delineate between doing things for God and doing things with God. Because when we do things with God, it's because we want to give him glory. When we do things for God, it's kind of like we want credit. We're, we're, we want something from him. So as you ask him about what is it that I can do in remembrance of these things, keep asking God, what is it that I need to remember about what you've asked me to do that I need to ask you for the power to do? We'll be back.